Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C. Joined this week by my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent. And we are here fresh off the WrestleMania 40 press conference. Obviously, we recorded last Thursday right before the big news from Friday broke where The Rock showed up and Cody seemed like he was giving up his WrestleMania spot to have The Rock take on uh, Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And then everything went to hell over the weekend. Uh, you've got... We want Cody trending on Twitter. You got Rocky sucks chance at raw and NXT and basically everybody trying to figure out the right story. If this was the plan the whole time, if WWE is pivoting because of the reaction, they don't want rock versus Roman to get booed at WrestleMania. Who the hell knows? But as I said, we were recording this right after the press conference where uh, Roman Reigns is out there. Seth Rollins is out there. Roman Reigns says he chooses the rock rock comes out and goes over his family history with the bloodline. And then Cody comes out and basically saying that Roman's not the one calling the shots. He is because he won the Royal Rumble. And Cody says he chose Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which gets The Rock angry, which then, you know, Cody call, uh, talks about how Peter Maivia and Roman's grandfather would be ashamed of uh, both of them. And then The Rock slaps Cody and still kind of left a lot of things open other than it seems like the only thing for sure we're getting is Cody versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania at some point. I mean, who knows if it's going to be with The Rock in a triple threat match? Who knows if Seth Rollins is going to get involved? There was They made it seem like they were leaning towards a tag match at some point with Seth and Cody versus Roman and The Rock. Um, you know, I saw a clip of Triple H doing an interview backstage and Rock telling him that he needs to fix this, that he needs to fix what Cody said. He can't be running his mouth. Uh, just a whole lot of intrigue definitely coming out of this press conference with, again, nothing really clear as far as what's going to go on with WrestleMania. Uh, Chairman, I'll go over to you first. Uh, just what are your thoughts with this whole situation? I think I have more questions now than answers after the press conference. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting week. I mean, we want Cody was trending for days after Friday when it made it look like rock and Roman was the match that they're going to go with. And, you know, it's just crazy how much stuff happened in that little press conference that, you know, that we literally just seen like, people are calling for the tag match at elimination chamber. It's like, well, you guys remember Seth Rollins has a torn MCL probably not going to be cleared until WrestleMania. Now rock obviously is big time with Endeavor. So he could use his political powers. Does he sneak himself into the Cody and Roman match, make a triple threat? Does Roman do double duty? Do we do the tag match night one? And then we do Cody and Roman night two and then Seth versus whoever in night two. I mean, there's a lot of questions. I mean, do we do Cody versus Dwayne at the elimination chamber? I mean, I mean, that event needs kind of a marquee match and they got some beef now. So why not? Um, I think a triple threat's not out of the question. We talked, you know, how Rocky is obviously in his fifties. He fought Cena like 10 years ago, sucking win in a corner. It's like, I don't think rock can go a whole match. Triple threat would definitely hide rock. So, would be the worst idea in the world, but um, I, I don't know what to make of all this. It's gonna be a wild ride going forward here, though. But call, call, I'm, I'm interested. Um, hell, Rocky and Triple H get into in the end. You know, I know Triple H said he's done wrestling, but shit, man, let's speculate a Rock Triple H match for night two, too. 
Yeah, man, everything's out there, especially now that it seems like they're leaning into Rock and Roman being on the same page. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, going into from SmackDown, it looked like it was going to be Rock versus Roman. And now here we are coming out of the press conference. You see Rock and Roman leaving together. You see them, like we said, walking past Triple H. Um, so many more questions. Like you said, does Seth Rollins even defend the world title coming out of uh, this now? Who the hell knows? But uh, Cam, what are your thoughts on the uh, post press conference here? Well, first of all, a really weird, stupid, kind of dumb way. I mean, like, they had, like, a organic story to tell with, with Cody just naturally going after Roman. But, I don't know, it's been really weird. I mean, I didn't really like the press conference. I thought it was – I thought, one, Seth looks stupid again. Two, um, I mean, I don't like the Rock's heel turn. Like, he's – he doesn't re- – it was not very good. Like, he – he forgot how to be he's just a natural Dwayne Johnson trying to raise money for the XFL and everything else he's trying to do like super nice guy going around meeting everybody being like you know a really good human being and then now he's like bad guy because they antagonized Cody and Cody responded like that's fucking so stupid and I don't like it and I mean I think the only way out of this really is either a triple threat match or because then they could still do Seth versus Gunther, title versus title, which I predicted, and Gunther was going to beat Seth Rollins. So I'm still holding on to hope for that one. So they could either do triple threat, or they can do the super-duper uber babyface thing and really just repeat WrestleMania 30 and have Cody beat Rock night one and then have him beat Roman night two. That's like the only way out of it at this point. I don't see... I mean, I... I see Cody wrestling twice. I don't see, I think the rocks, the bad guy now, just like Roman. So they're going to wrestle each other. Um, I mean, I still wouldn't count out a tag match. Fuck just throwing our truth and Cody versus rocking Roman reigns. And that will be super over. Um, but yeah, I think the triple threat or Cody faces both of them back to back nights. And that's like ultra Uber, never been done babyface stuff. I mean the Daniel Bryan stuff, but two separate nights beating the rock and then Roman reigns. That's just, I don't know. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, for what it's worth, I just saw a tweet saying Brian Alvarez is saying that it's going to be the tag match on night one. Then night two will have Cody Roman and Seth versus somebody who wins the Elimination Chamber. So, you know, maybe that's the course there. Um, Like we said, there's so many different ways you can go with this story right now that almost everything, I think, is would be a good option. I mean... To start, I'll say that I think this was never the plan, and they are backtracking their way out of this as quickly as possible. And I'll say this, at least a good thing for them, they're doing a decent job with it. I know I follow people on Twitter. I know people that have, no, don't watch wrestling, and they are they watch this press conference because you knew The Rock was going to be involved. They've heard like you know some small stuff here and there on social media about it. So it's definitely the WWE doing a good job of them you know, getting the word out there, getting people to at least talk about what is going on. Uh, and it's a positive. So the, like we said, they had such an easy story with Cody and Roman. They, they had such an easy story with Rock and Roman. The problem is the way it was all done on Friday night and SmackDown just was a huge slap in the face to any wrestling fan that had been watching the whole Roman versus Cody story. Not, not Roman versus Cody, really, but Cody's story itself playing out over the last year since he lost at WrestleMania and how everybody said, okay, this three is going to finish the story and just have Cody 
kind of looked like a bitch. Like, I wasn't watching SmackDown on Friday. I was out. And then I checked my Twitter when I came back and I saw everything. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, eh, I don't think people will react as badly as people. some people think they will. And sure enough, the next day, We Want Cody's trending everywhere. NXT TakeOver has We Want Cody, Rocky Sucks going on it. Uh, and it, boom, I did not expect it to explode as much as it did. Um, I know we said that we're talking about the press conference here from Thursday, but Chairman, do you think, don't, you don't think any of this was the original plan, do you? 100% no. I think originally they were probably going to try to sneak in the Roman and Rock match and then pivot Cody over to Seth since uh, CM Punk was knocked out of the equation. But I think while the fan backlash, I think the script has changed. It's happened very similar with Damon Bryan years ago. So I definitely think the backlash changed the script big time. Yeah, what about you, Cam? Same thing? Yeah, I believe the same thing. But now my I get really worried because what if Punk didn't get hurt and the plan was Punk, Seth for the title night one and then what or whatever. And then what were you going to do with Cody if The Rock was really going to come in? They were just really just going to say, guess what, Cody, your main event match this year. This year, your story continues with a match against Drew McIntyre. Yeah, that would have been really, really weird. But then, of course, you know, the funny thing is we get this punk injury and now we get two weeks of Drew McIntyre being absolutely great and killing it on the mic. Justin, we've been doing on this show talking about we thought maybe Drew's time was up, you know, his contract's coming up, but now he is going full on heel here and he's just absolutely killing it every week. And, you know, uh, it's a great job by him. Um, I would assume he's probably the favorite to face Seth Rollins if they do a world title match one of the nights at WrestleMania. I'm guessing Drew is probably the favorite there. I mean, you can throw out Sami Zayn, I guess. Maybe they make that a triple threat too. Um, there's always Gunther, like Cam talks about as well, uh, possibly facing uh, facing Seth. But I know they kind of teased Gunther versus Jey Uso this past Monday on Raw. So that's out there uh, as well. But Open, you know, question here, uh, Chairman. Who do you think is the favorite to face Seth Rollins if we get a world title match at Mania? So I, I think Drew McIntyre is definitely the favorite because he's just been putting out top-notch work the last how many weeks. You know, his social media presence has been great. He's got that meme T-shirt now, just trolling <clears> Punk, you know. And, you know, he has these compelling arguments. Like, why would you want to face Roman Reigns when his family gets involved? He hasn't forgiven Jey Uso. Like, just because Jay's a face now, we're all supposed to forgive him. Drew's not forgiving it. Like, Drew McIntyre is telling Cody to finish the story so he can have Seth. Like, Drew has his own agendas. He's spitting out facts. Like, he's on another level right now. And, you know, unfortunately, Guther will not be allowed to go to the chamber since he's in Australia and he's got the visa problem, green card thing. So, I mean, Sammy could be an option too. But, you know, I think Drew McIntyre is lights ahead of the rest of the competition. And sure, Drew's had his chances at Seth, but right now I don't really see another option per se. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, when Drew went full heel, how much he's come into this character. You know, I, I'm glad that he kind of broke off from Judgment Day and let Judgment Day go off and do their own thing at, at the point they did. Because I think Drew really did need to be on his own. Uh, so I'm glad they did that there. But uh, Cam, who's is Drew your pick too for a Seth match at Mania? Yeah, I mean, I... I put out the idea of him versus Gunther, you know, a couple weeks ago when the initial news of CM Punk being injured came out. But I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that Seth is taking at least some some well-deserved time off after Mania. I mean, the back and everything. I mean, 
at least a month or two, right? So, I mean, I assume he's dropping the title. So, whoever gets this spot, I mean, Drew McIntyre has been on a great one. And Drew McIntyre could easily antagonize CM Punk as the champion and say, I'm doing what you couldn't do. And I may have been at a WrestleMania and blah, blah, blah. And hell, I mean, maybe even hold off long enough to where, I mean, I don't know how long a, a torn tricep takes to heal. You know, maybe a few months, six months, however long it's going to be. And, you know, maybe we could do a Drew CM Punk match, you know, heaven <laughs> God, God allowing, uh, God willing that CM Punk can get through a goddamn wrestling match without hurting himself in the year 2024, 2025. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it is Drew and, you know, I think he's been riding a good one and, you know, maybe he deserves another chance. He hasn't been champion since, you know, the COVID era. We were fans of him then. And maybe this is way his way or Triple H's way, I should say, of getting Drew to stick around and be like, Hey, you know, you can be top heel guy on raw for the next six, seven, eight months. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't think he's going to get the push that like this that he would get if he went to AEW. And, you know, TNA is, was looked to be maybe on a slight upswing. Obviously not a huge one to compete with WWE, but that's a that's another uh, thing we'll talk about in a few minutes. But it also seemed like from this press conference, we've, I mean, we've pretty much speculated and talked about it. But it seems like, I would say, coming out of this press conference, both women's matches are confirmed for Mania as we had Rhea Ripley come out there and get con, uh, uh, confronted by Becky Lynch with Becky obviously being in the Elimination Chamber match in a couple weeks with the winner facing Rhea at WrestleMania uh, with her line saying that she was going to uh, teach mommy how to be a bottom, which I thought was funny. Uh, but we obviously talked about that for a while and then we got confirmation too on SmackDown that it's going to be Bailey versus EO Sky on the SmackDown side of things for that title match with neither neither of them being there at the press conference. But I mean, I, I'm I'm OK with that. I mean, they only had an hour to get stuff in. So uh, I think the Bailey story is going to be really good. And, you know, how they kind of Bailey told the story about just, you know, wanting to be damage control to succeed. But it was obvious that she was starting to get phased out. I think that's going to be a good one. I look forward to seeing Bailey in this new kind of face role. That is different from when she was obviously a face when she started in NXT and in the main roster where she was the likable, lovable, uh, you know, girl that loved wrestling. I'm interested to see what kind of edge this character has. And then we also had Bianca Belair talk about wanting to continue her winning streak at WrestleMania. So, you know, obviously they plan on Bianca Belair being a big part of it, too. They have, you know, she has her. Uh, a reality show with her uh, husband, Montez Ford, coming out soon on Hulu. Um we talked about it last week. I still would not be surprised if we got Bailey and Jade Cargill versus EO or not EO, excuse me, Asuka and Kyrie Sane for the women's tag titles at WrestleMania. It's a good way to debut Jade. It's a good way to get her, you know, teaming up with Bianca, somebody that's experienced, that's been around the WWE spotlight for a while. And then you've got two women in Asuka and Kyrie Sane who can go out there and bump around for Jade Cargill and make her look like a million bucks at the same time. And also probably teach her a little bit, you know, you know, experience, not teach her, but like experience, give her more experience in the ring and how to work a match uh, with somebody as experienced as those two. Um, but chairman, what are your thoughts on the the women's stories we got here heading into WrestleMania? Yeah, I was watching the presser before, and when Becky came out, who wasn't advertised and confronted Rhea Ripley, I'm just like, oh, jeepers, she'll win the Elimination Chamber. We don't even have to fill the other five pods. Like, we already know you're going to win. You're betting is going to be negative 10,000. They're not going to pay anybody anything. But then the crazy thing happened. I saw Bianca Belair was advertised on SmackDown against, I don't remember nor care, um, in a qualifying match. I'm like, oh, so we're going to put SmackDown people in here, too. So obviously Bianca's going to be in here. We talked years ago about seeing a Bianca Rhea WrestleMania match. I still think they're going Becky, but Bianca Rhea 
would not be anything I would be against either. Um, obviously, I think Liv Morgan is facing Zoe Trash Stark on Monday, so Liv should hopefully win. Um, so this pod could be filled up with some good people here. You know, this could be a good elimination chamber match since we're kind of mixing both brands versus just Raw. So this should be a big match now when you're getting Bianca, Becky, and hopefully, you know, Liv Morgan. Um, the other side of things, you know, the Bailey Eel Sky story has been really good. You know, we've been hinting at it. We've seen it ha- coming a mile away. It happened. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how Bailey's been a heel since like 2019. So this is, this is wild as here's a face finally again. When like that's all we known her as when she first debuted with the inflatables and the Izzy fangirl and all that, you know, era. So it's gonna be a good story. I mean, the, all these women's matches are set up something big. I definitely agree with you. I think. You know, if Bianca doesn't, you know, make the match against Rhea, her and Jade Cargill as a team against Kabuki Warriors would be fantastic work. Unless, you know, Triple H, like I speculated Monday, I thought for sure the Kabuki Warriors were going to lose the tag titles to that trash team, Caden Carter and Katana Chance, and Bailey would screw them over. And that still could happen to another team. So lots to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz also, again, around the women's division where you've got Liv Morgan returning. Uh, and like we talked about last week, you know, how they're doing a good job of getting Nia Jax to actually scheme, come off as a threat against Rhea. And some of her work she's done has been uh, has been decent as well. Uh, it's, you know, they got even like we said, these women's tag teams, Caden Carter, Katana Chance, Chelsea Green, Piper Nevin. It's like, are they serious threats? Are they serious stars? No, but they're getting a good job of getting exposure out here on TV every week. And it's without Charlotte Flair around, without Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks we'll talk about next uh, as well. Um, so it, it's a solid job by the WWE here getting all of these women FaceTime as we lead into uh, a WrestleMania and getting, uh, getting a good shine. Uh, what are your thoughts, Cam, on the women's side of things heading into Mania? I like everything you guys said, but I, I kind of feel like the the chamber comes down to Bianca and, and Bailey and Bailey or excuse me Becky and Becky wins and then Bianca you know post match gets either a beat down or in the backstage beat down from Jade and instead of doing the tag match at Mania I think you get Bianca Jade and Jade's the one that stops Bianca's winning streak and I think you just try to start building her up from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited for for Bailey's you know face turn. We've been talking about it for a while now, so I think excited to see where that goes for her. She could definitely lead the SmackDown side of things for for the WWE. And then, I mean, Rhea versus Becky one on one. I think that's the money match. And you know, is Becky the one to defeat Rhea? You know, or does Rhea continue her tre- her her really long reign, which I think will probably end up happening? So I think Triple H is really you know clearly he's into long title reigns, and I think Rhea's is the next big one to. Um, happen yeah i mean i agree with you i think you know obviously this isn't a wrestlemania prediction show but for me if you look at Rhea and becky it's the fact that you know is it it's the biggest match they could do absolutely without question but is becky somebody that gets a rub from beating being the one to defeat Rhea? absolutely not um you know things obviously could change in the next however we got here like a month uh two months till wrestlemania i was the 
plenty of stuff can be talked about and changed since till up until then. But you know, just right now, going off that feeling, I don't think you're thinking Becky is going to be the one to the throne Rhea at Mania. Um, so that's our talk here, coming off the uh, the press conference side of things in the WWE with everything that happened there. Let's still talk about uh, AEW, which we haven't really talked about over the last couple of weeks, just given the fact that we've had the Royal Rumble back to back preview and recap show. So. Uh, it's kind of been kind of put off a little bit to the side, but Tony Khan had another big announcement last night, and the announcement was that they are doing a show in Boston uh, coming up, and it's being called Big Business uh, Ticket. The show's on uh, March 13th, Dynamite. Uh, if you look at the uh, sign for the show, uh, it's got Boston spelled B-O-S-S-T-O-N with the uh, two S's, obviously not right, but the S's are dollar signs, which, you know, Pretty much just a tease for Mercedes Monet coming into AEW. Uh, I could also see this possibly being a sign that, you know, if they're hyping this show up this bigly, that maybe they also have Okada too. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, I love Mercedes Monet. You know, I think she's a good wrestler, but it's one of those things where I don't know if she's that big of a star to hype up her own show. Um, I So I think maybe you're going to start to hear soon that maybe Okada is also signed as well. Uh, which, you know, I guess good for him. He gets to choose where he wants to go. Uh, I'd prefer him to be in WWE to work a lighter schedule and have a handful of new opponents he hasn't fought yet. But I do wonder how big of a boost Mercedes will be to just AEW in general, even Okada. I mean, you know, Okada's been on AEW before. He's been on TNA. They've been hyped there. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing Okada on WWE. I mean, Okada's not going to draw millions of new viewers in. But... I mean, AEW just had a big show last night, and their uh, uh, overall viewers was down a little bit compared to the week before. And this was a big, hyped-up show that they've been talking about forever. And I just don't know how big of an influence mercedes Monet is going to be in a women's division that, to be quite honestly, is floundering. There's really nothing big going on there right now. Uh, Tony Storm's champion, that she's doing her best to try to keep the women's division uh, afloat, but things just don't seem to be working at all for them right now. Um, Cam, I'll go to you first here on the AEW side of things. Just your thoughts on more than likely Mercedes Monet and possibly Okada coming in and if it's going to have any big influence. Well, first of all, I think you're giving Tony Khan too much credit. He'll he'll do a full-on, you know, pay a bunch of money to rent out the TD Garden, the Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, anything to announce that fucking QT Marshall resigned. Um, I mean, it's probably going to be Mercedes Monet. That's fine. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they've done double debuts, but the way they've just set it all up, I think it's just going to be built around her and she's going to come out and maybe you'll get Britt Baker. Maybe Britt, <clears throat> Britt Baker shows back to TV and she's out there cutting a promo that she's back, blah, blah, blah. And then Mercedes Monet music hits. You have your big woman's match without either of them being involved in the title because Tony Storm and Deanna Peruza are, you know, doing a, a pretty decent job. So you have them, the top two women in AEW, face off right away. And, you know, that'll that'll drive the ratings a little bit for them. And that'll get people talking on social media and forgive all the crappiness they've done with the women's division since basically day one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think Okada still made a decision. I mean, I feel like if he was going to go to AEW, it would have already been done. And I feel like if he was going to go to AEW, they wouldn't have had the whole big old, oh, Okada's leaving New Japan thing because AEW works directly with New Japan. And there's no way if Okada came to AEW that he wouldn't work, you know, Wrestle Kingdom versus somebody, you know. So I think he's still coming to WWE. I think he's just kind of waiting around, you know, him and he's talked to Shinsuke like, hey, man, 
you get to wrestle the Miz. It's fucking great. Like he protects the shit out of you. Like you get to live in Florida more than likely. Like it's fantastic. Just come over here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's, <clears throat> that's kind of what's going to happen. I think that that's, you know, it's a good thing for her. Let her be the, the top star over there because if she comes to the WWE, I mean, I love Mercedes Monet and I, you know, went to bat for her as her being the best of the original four horsewomen. But if she came back to WWE today, you know, she's behind Becky. She's definitely behind Rhea. She might be even behind Jade Cargill because I feel like she's going to be a big star. So she would be like fourth, fifth in line. Yeah, I mean, she would probably, I mean, I, I don't know what kind of money she was offered, she wants. I mean, there were reports that she was offered big money, and it's like, you know, I'm with you. Like, I think at this point, she's been gone long enough where it's like, okay, Becky's already past you. Um, you know, Charlotte, when she wasn't injured, is going to be past you. Uh, you know, obviously, you're looking at probably Rhea being past her as well. It's one of those things where I don't think she can just come in and expect to be the top woman in the company where in AEW, she's going to come in and be the top woman more than likely in the company. And like you said, maybe they don't get put her in the title right away. They go to Dr. Britt Baker. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't even trying to even think of other women in the women's division that she could feud with that aren't in the title picture right now. I mean, maybe she goes after the TBS title with Julia Hart. I, I don't know, but it's definitely gives her more opportunity to kind of be the top woman in the women's division rather than coming into the WWE and just being like, you know, another part of the piece uh, in the women's division there. Uh, what are your thoughts, chairman? At this point in the game, Mercedes Monet, whatever. She's just another AEW hot signing, big announcement that's just going to fizzle out in a couple months. Adam Copeland, what's he been doing? Um, a lot of these guys that they've brought over recently, it's just like, whatever. It's just cool. You got Mercedes Monet. Your women's division still sucks. You got Will Nightingale and what more than you probably should. I mean, it's not a good division. Mercedes ran away from the competition because, like you guys said, Rhea, Bianca, Becky, Bailey. She ain't in their league anymore. She's she's falling behind. She 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 may barely make the top ten if she went back to WWE. There's just too much competition up top. She knows she can't handle that shark infested pond no more. Hell, her friend Naomi might even surpass her because Naomi's least relevant still. Mercedes Monet hasn't done anything in the U.S. in like what almost two years now. I mean, she did Japan last year, got hurt, big shocker. Don't want to riddle kill someone for being injured, but she gets injured quite a bit. It's a lot of money. I mean, it's no different than pro athletes, you know, and, you know, baseball, football, whatever it may be. You get that injury-prone label on you, people are a little hesitant to throw out the big bag at you. Maybe Triple H and Endeavor are like, you know, you're not worth as much as money as you think you are. Plus, she's got a shitty attitude, and WWE's seen that firsthand. I mean, who's to say she doesn't have her way and she has a meltdown backstage and Tony Khan fears for his life again, and we have AEW, CM Punk's Scrum 2.0. So, careful what you wish for, Tony. We also had on uh, Dynamite this past Wednesday, we saw Sting and Darby Allen win the women or the women's Jesus, uh, the AEW tag team titles from Ricky Starks and Big Bill, leading to them defending the titles against the more than likely defend them against the Young Bucks at Revolution coming up uh, next month. Uh, I mean, they need to get the tag titles off Ricky Starks and um, and Big Bill anyway. Like, I, it's just such, such a weird mismatch of a team there that I never really got to begin with. 
I don't know if I like it to be in them the transition to give it to the Young Bucks and Sting's retirement match. I mean, again, this is Sting's retirement match. Sting can do what he wants. He's earned it in his business. But, man, I don't know about me, but I guess if them winning the tag titles just gets to them losing and then giving with the titles to the Young Bucks at the end of the night, something about that just, I don't know, kind of rubs me the wrong way, and they're playing their whole executive VP role here they have going on and trying to be, you know, better leaders and better bosses in the company, which I'm still just not a fan of whatsoever. Um, but you got any thoughts on this, uh, Cam, here with the, the Sting stuff? Oh, man, when I I was uh, watching up watching AEW earlier, and when I saw on Twitter yesterday that they that Sting and Darby won the titles, and I was like, holy crap, man, they're doing all this just to put the title back on the Bucks just to get us some heat. And man, I you know I voted for them as tag team of the year, and I know they needed to to really show what they could do. And you know they're back on TV every week, but I mean the optics, I just don't like it. Like you know in the backstage, I mean they're EVPs and they're beating up talent, and they got the blood on their all whites. And I mean it is what it is. I mean the tag team division that they you know they they claimed at the beginning tag team wrestling, women's wrestling, blah blah blah, and it's worsely booked than the WWE. I mean, FTR just hangs out on fucking Rampage and Collision with, with Daniel Garcia, and they just do six-mans, and I don't know, man. AEW's just, just a giant shit show. Um, it is what it is. I mean, like I said, I can't can't really say too much because if this is, you know, quote, what Sting wanted to do, then that's the way he wanted to go out was dropping the belts to the Young Bucks, and, you know, so be it. It is what it is, but, I mean, you know, I want to just see more from the Young Bucks. I just don't. I just don't like it. Interact with more people. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a simple fact of just make the Young Bucks go back to what they did best when they were making money and just going out there and wrestling people. And now they're trying to play this insider executive vice president gimmick that it's just I'm not buying at all whatsoever with them. Just go out there and wrestle like like I've, I wish they I wish it could have just literally been Sting and Darby Allen or Sting, you know, winning the tag titles and then saying then Sting's like, I want to face the best tag team in AEW in my final match. And that's going to be the Young Bucks. And that's it. And you just have the Young Bucks come back and answer the challenge and they say, OK, but it's the whole executive vice president insider thing that's just really you know grinding my gears if you want to say that uh what are your thoughts chairman yeah it's just really weird to me it's like okay it's cool that darby and sting won the tag titles i mean at least they're a more worthy tag team than the mesh of ricky stars and big bill which i think ricky stars a better solo act myself anyway but you know it's just like Sting's in a verge of a retirement match here, so it's like, okay, so you're probably going to lose, and the Young Bucks will be champs again, which, that's fine, but, I don't know, just kind of weird. I mean, I guess Darby and Sting could pull the impossible with the situation and win, and then Darby, I guess, picks a new partner, which, also weird. So, yeah, whatever, um, it's just AEW being AEW, but, I mean, it's cool that Sting got 25 championship reigns now, and... Honestly, I wish Darby Singh would have won the titles a couple years ago, but it is what it is. All right, and then one more thing we want to talk about, we don't ever talk about TNA on this show, is that uh, pretty big news after they did the whole rebranding thing from Impact to TNA, and pretty much everybody who says... The man behind it is Scott Demore. Uh He got fired this week from TNA Wrestling. Uh, 
depending on what you want to believe, he like he was apparently want to try wanted to put more money in the budget in TNA and kind of like start signing bigger contracts and. Uh, Anthem didn't want that. You also had talks that he was trying to buy TNA and had big banking uh, backers to help him out with it. And that didn't go through as well. And now he's been replaced by somebody at Anthem. And I mean, when you see almost when you see not almost pretty much all negative reaction from everybody in TNA about this. I mean, it's a bad sign, especially when you had like a little bit of hype when they switched back to TNA and they had a uh, big shows, you know, their big pay-per-view and uh, they just, you know, did decent ratings for the first time and forever of course like decent is nowhere near wwe or even AEW, but you know they had people talking about them again and now you have people talking about them in the lol tna uh kind of way like we used to back you know 15 10 years ago when they were just making uh dumb decision after dumb decision uh you got any thoughts on this uh chairman this is my blow honestly i mean i saw social media and i'm like I had to do a double take there. I'm like, what? I'm like that dude's been there forever. Like I think, think since 2003, maybe. I mean, pretty much when since and TNA started. I mean, did the Team Canada thing, did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. You know, helped a lot of the wrestlers. You know, over the years, and there's a lot of negative feedback. You know, from many people with the situation. So this makes you wonder what TNA's future is like. You know, they did the whole rebrand thing, but then it's like. The morale's got to be god-awful right now. And then what's next for Scott DeMore? Does he go to the sunset? Does he get these backers and try to start his own wrestling promotion? Does he jump on with WWE or AEW? I mean, lots of questions. I mean, you hope Scott DeMore does okay, but definitely a big surprise. Yeah, what about you, Cam? Any thoughts? I mean, yeah, they just had Nick Nemeth, uh, you know, debut for him. So they've had a, a little bit of traction. I mean, who knows? Who really knows? But it's just like a bad luck with TNA. It's kind of just like one of those things where it doesn't matter who was in charge. It seems to kind of just find a way to get screwed up. Um, and, you know, too bad. There's a lot of talented people. Chris Bay, there's a lot, of, you know, Jordan Grace, who was just in the the Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble. I mean, there's a lot of talented people that work over there for TNA Wrestling. So, I mean, we'll see if they can you know, find their feet under new leadership with probably no wrestling experience. <laughs> All right. And so this week we're going to finish our show with a top five ranking of the men's division. Last week we did a top five of the women's division. So we'll switch it up here this week. And like I said, last week we're going to try to redo this every single month uh, when it comes to these rankings. Uh, Cam, why don't you just go ahead and get us started first and give us your top five. Okay, I had to fit someone in, in in AEW. Like we, it's hard, you know, because there's a lot of stuff. You know, last time we did the women's last week, um, men's. You know, I was gonna go with Swerve Strickland, but I'm gonna go with Samoa Joe. I think Samoa Joe's done a great job. You know, we got the announced triple threat now between Swerve Hangman and and Samoa Joe at Sting's last match pay per view, like their their biggest show ever, and they had to announce Sting retiring, but whatever. So yeah, Samoa Joe's done a great job. He's the champion. You know. We'll see if he ever has a rematch with MJF. Uh, number four, I'm going to go. I mean, he's back. It's weird. I mean, it's weird that he's going to be on multiple shows going forward, I assume. And it's The Rock. I'm going to put him at four because I thought his heel turn was just fucking terrible. Um, he's not a good actor anyway, so I wouldn't be. So I shouldn't be surprised. Um, number three, I'm going to go Seth Rollins. I mean, the poor guy is a, a world champion. He's a workhorse. He's 
beaten everybody. Well, he hasn't beaten The Rock, but he's you know he's beaten Roman and everybody else on the stage before. Um, I just hope that he heals up in time to have a, a proper WrestleMania match because he definitely freaking deserves it. Uh, number two, I'm going to go Roman Reigns. I think Roman's been back on TV for the last couple of weeks. I mean, today he kind of he kind of looked a little redheaded stepchild next there to the rock so he didn't really do all the talking he should have kind of took the lead but you know again he whatever you know the rocks po- politic his way to the top and it's kind of funny like if you really think the rock and triple h is like personal history like the rock has probably surpassed triple h as far as power stroke goes in the wwe probably really uh drives triple h crazy um and number one i'm gonna go cody i think you know he's he's been the man for a while you know he won the rumble he uh stood toe-to-toe with The Rock and, and Roman Reigns today on the stage and Triple H just tweeted it that it's Rock versus, or excuse me, Roman versus Cody for the title, so I mean, who knows? I mean, we still got plenty of time to figure out a way to screw that all up, but you know, as of right now Cody gets his mat, his rematch and hopefully gets to finish his story. Alright, uh, I'll go next. Um, my number five is actually, I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put Logan Paul there. I mean, listen if he's not around as much as like as a full-time guy i would say he's semi full he's in between i think full-time and uh part-time but he's around enough for me to put him at number five because he has good matches he's a good talker he gets the right kind of heat he gets people to hate him and for me that is a a plus when it comes to that he's i mean if he were to become a full-time wrestler i think he would be world champion within a year and he's just so great at it that he's you know maybe the best celebrity to ever wrestle if you consider logan paul a celebrity but i gotta put him on here just because of how good he was at the rumble and all of his promo stuff leading up to it um my number four i'm gonna put swerve on there uh he's at least in my opinion the the best part of uh, AEW when it comes to the men's division. Uh, I think he's great. I mean, he's finally getting to show what we all saw of him in NXT when he was with Hit Row. So I think he gets put there uh, in my number four spot. Uh, my number three spot, I'm going to go ahead and put, you know, I'm going to put another AEW guy. There. I'm going to put Joe there just basically for what everything um, Cam said. I mean, it's good to see Joe finally being entertaining, finally being the man in a, in a company that we all thought he would be and actually being like the killer badass character we thought he would be. So uh, Samoa Joe gets in my pick at number three. I'm putting Gunther at number two. Uh, 600 days now passed as IC champion. Uh, he's He looks like a star. You know, didn't, you know, remember however many years ago it was when he did that Survivor Series match and was eliminated in three minutes, but now that's completely out of everybody's memory. He looks like a star every single time he's out there. Uh, he's made the Intercontinental title great again uh, to steal a line from a former president. And uh, you know, it's you know now you're to the point now where all of his matches have drama in it because you don't know who it could be. Now that he's passed and has the longest IC title reign of all time. You don't know who could be the one to beat him, and every single match of his now has drama. So Gunther gets my number two, and like Cam, my number one is Cody Rhodes. I mean, the guy is the most over person in wrestling right now, the best babyface in wrestling. You know, I don't want to say ever, but you know, he's probably the best babyface in wrestling in the last 20 years. So I'm gonna go ahead and put Cody at number one. And to be quite honest, I don't see anybody knocking him off the top spot anytime soon. So, uh, Chairman, why don't you go ahead and give us your top five here as we finish up? I'm going to go for our truth for number five, and that's just because he followed me on X the other day. But I feel like he's one of those guys, when you know he's going to be on television, you stop what you're doing. You're not scrolling through your phone 
or you're not, you know, when you're in a room, like, oh, our troops on you come back because that dude is freaking hilarious. He still is just killing it right now with his Judgment Day stuff. He pretty much compared his beatdown the week prior as a gay initiation. It's it's great. Um, number four is Gunther. I mean, you guys touch a lot on Gunther, but we all call him the ring general. I'm calling him the promo general now because he just owned Jay Uso's ass on Monday night. If you haven't seen that promo, go back and check it out. It was great. He pretty much just said, you know, like the other day, he's like, you know, be, be up so bad that, you know, people you tell you and your brother apart and shit. It's like, he just cooked him. Um, number three for me is Seth Rollins. Dude's hurt, but he's still showing up to work every week, unlike the other guy, who I guess finally decided to come around. But, you know, Seth could easily just sit at home until his number is called, but he's going out to Vegas to do press conferences. He's still showing up on Monday night, you know, trying to get an answer from Cody, you know, so... He's the man. Uh, Drew McIntyre's my two. We talked a lot about Drew earlier in the show, and this is pretty much why I put him there. It's just because the phenomenal work he's been doing. And number one, I mean, it's pretty much de facto Cody Rhodes. He's the guy that's training on X. And that place is going to go crazy when he finishes the story. All right, and that is our show and rankings uh, for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week to talk about Elimination Chamber and anything else that develops with the main event scene in WrestleMania 40. So for my co-host, Cam, and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C. signing off, and we'll talk to you guys then.